<laughs> Sam, thank you so much for coming over to my friend's house and talking about mentalness. Nah, thanks very much for having me. Um, I've brought hopefully good weather for the weekend. Yeah, it's raining. Jay's down here. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, so tell me about why you got into, why do you care about mental wellness? There's a number of different reasons, I think, for me, which is, I guess, why I'm extremely passionate about it. I think in my prior life, having my own mental health challenges, first and foremost, um, is a big part of it. Um, having lost people in my direct family to suicide is, is also a massive part of it. Mm. And then what I call the tipping point in my own life is when a good friend of mine took his life and it solidified everything in my life to a point where, okay, this is my purpose. This is what I've got to do. I've got to dig deep into, into this field and really get a good understanding about how it all works and you know what it's all about. And yeah, and really intrigued. Do you think, and it's focus on Australia for a moment, do mm-hmm. you think this, what is it about the culture and men in particular with, um, if we had to just break it down to try, try to really dig into the root somewhat of the cause of men's mental struggles? Okay. Like culturally, is it this, I mean, it's, it's somewhat of a like macho culture, right? Is, 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 that, is that the thing, what is the thing that you're combating or, or um, try, not combating necessarily, but you know, shifting the narrative on because i love the way you're shifting the narrative to it's just it's just speak <laughs> you know yeah. talk is changing the changing the kind of paradigm of how we relate to one another to be one of i expect you to tell me how you're feeling rather than it's weird if you tell me how you're feeling mm, and it's a, it's a very good question i think it's an extremely complex one too and there's certainly not one answer is going to be unified across the board i think we we can go back hundreds of thousands you know years to the hunters and gatherers days and males are supposed to have the answers to everything we're brought up trying to be the the dominant ones in the household and the family the ones that have all the answers to everything the ones that you know don't show any signs of weakness because when things get tough we're meant to be the strong ones in the family and support the ones that we love and mm. i think for males in particular expressing how they actually feel one it's extremely challenging to actually express how you feel mm. getting words out and actually making sense so to speak yeah. and two the the social perceptions and the stigma of what that may mean by reaching out and, and saying I need help or, you know, I'm not feeling well in my mind, you know, this is how I've been feeling. What are people going to think? What are the what are the drawbacks to that? I mm. think there's a, there's a lot of different angles that you can attack here, but I think a big part of it is social stigma and people feel like it's weak to talk up or ask for help mm. because normally we're grown up in, you know, we sorry, we... We are brought up in a in a place where asking for help from a male perspective is like a no go zone. Hundred percent, it's like forbidden. Like yeah, yeah. there's no way that you'd do that fifty years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Particularly, I think particularly in Australia because we've got this "she'll be right" mentality. Mm. <laughs> you know, like you'll be right, mate, and it, it gives no room to process these emotions, which are, at, in my experience of them, just blocking my anatomy. You know, blocking my awareness, blocking me, blocking me up to be able to just be myself, to be able to just... Because if you had to break it down to like an, 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 an analogy, it would be like we get these blockages within our psyche, within our mind. Well, that's what they were for me. And they were limiting me being my free, truest self. So if I... All I needed to do is just like have awareness on them, share them, and then let them go. And then I'm then they're released. But if then... They, if they're not released, they just have this cyclical pattern 
of neurotic thinking, like negative, negative thinking. And it just becomes so dark that you literally change your chemical behavior in your mind to be one of, I just don't want to get out of bed now because mm. you haven't, it's just like a do, 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 like layer on layer of fogginess. And it's tiring. It's exhausting. And it becomes very muddled. So your true self isn't really your true self because you're, I think you touched on there that, you never really got the time to process it. Harden up, you'll be right, get over it. People in third world countries aren't complaining. What have you got to whinge about? You live a great life. Some of the mm. most unhelpful things you can say to someone that may be struggling with a, a mental health challenge or a diagnosable mental illness. And I think for, it's really important to know that if you don't process them, you just, like you said, you just continue to bury these feelings and emotions. And like anything, no matter who you are, not one person's Hercules. At mm. some point in life, those emotions will get to a, a boiling point where enough is enough and they will explode. And whether it explodes through a drug addiction or whether it comes across in violence or whether it comes across in withdrawal or social mm. um, disconnection or, or a diagnosable mental illness. Mm. Um, I, think, I think that's a great point. I think that if we use the analogies that make people understand that it's just an expectation to be able to service your car, mm-hmm. like our bodies are like a car or our mind, let's just focus on our mind as like a car. If we don't service it and look after it, and, and that means like pull, changing the oil, letting it all out, getting new oil in, like uh, figure, changing the wheels because they're clunky. Like it's kind of just looking at areas of our mind as the same way. We got these blockages and these things that make our mind not work as well. And if we don't service it through mainly conversation, I feel that person meditation and conversation are the big things, I think. Um, but I really like the two to come back to what your two pointers: the stigma and the hardness to articulate your feelings. I think that they're they're a very real area for any man. Any man in Australia, particularly, can really relate to that that feeling of not knowing how to articulate what they're saying. So you look you look vulnerable or you are vulnerable and it's scary because it's unknown and you haven't got it together. Like you say, you're in the, the male expectation is to have it together. But when I... Th- so I'm blabbing on. I'm just, just kind of like you inspired all these things. It, it makes me think that we're at this point in evolution like where all our, our needs are met. You know, our shout, we've got shouters like that Maslow's hierarchy of need and the next thing is meaning. So, because we haven't got maybe meaning in our work or are men looking for something else? Is that, is that why we've kind of graduated to this level of... It's so hard to articulate it. And when you actually do articulate it though and you can articulate it and do ask for help, it, it does create a positive ripple effect mm. that does encourage other people to speak up and seek help Mm. when they need it and because everyone deserves the help that they need to get back on track to start living again Mm. and men are people that live in silence for decades and they realize okay well i'll speak up now and they wish they'd done it many many years ago and we all as humans and this is probably me just going off on my own little tangent right now but we all sit on a mental health continuum you know from positive mental health to to mental so so say one end you're mentally well one end you're mentally unwell and everything in between on a daily basis we all slide up and down that we have great times during the day we get job promotion we get pay pay rise whatever that is and then maybe some people you get sacked at a certain time or you get let go or you didn't get that um, job that you thought you were going to land that client and they're setbacks everyone goes through setbacks it's it's basically how you how you bounce back from those setbacks and because everyone's different and everyone's so unique not everyone has the same support networks and mm-hmm. and the challenge around mental illness and mental health and wellness is there's no one size fits all approach not everyone can 
put a hat on and do what worked for me and what works for you with meditation and speaking. Um, and it works. It's everyone's very different. And, and what I say to that, anyone that listens, uh, sorry, that's listening, that might be struggling, do what makes you happy. Don't do it because someone else said, get up and part of me, go for a run and it'll release endorphins because you might not get that same high from that. Um, process it the way you want to process it and do the things that you enjoy doing and mm-hmm. give give yourself patience because everyone's very different and these things take time it, it does take time and um mental health should be just like anything and i think you briefly touched on it before i think you go to the gym you do chin-ups you do bench press you do leg leg weights whatever that is and you might be in the best shape of your life and you'll still go to the gym and things become easier mm. okay you start new programs you, you do new physical movements, new new routines, do new do different weights, different sizes and all that. Mm. Same thing with mental health. Mm. Even if you are doing extremely well, I urge everyone to speak up and seek help and go and have someone that you trust, someone that you can unload all your problems and even your weekly issues with, even if you're not struggling. Because you think of the brain, it's the biggest muscle in your body, right? Think of it when it when it's not well, it's sitting there and it's, it's, it's large, it's a bit sloppy, it's a bit slow. Whereas when it's ripped and it's fit and it's fast, it's, it's when you're training at the best. Mm. Because when your mind's the best, mm. everything else just sort of falls into play. 100%. And, it, and your confidence, everything, your self-esteem, it just affects mm. everything in life. You're outset from the start. It's so important. It's, and cr- it's, it's crazy how important it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the very device that determines your experience of reality. Mm. <laughs> It's bonkers it how is, important it is. It's so funny that you say it in such clarity terms, in cl- sorry, in clear terms, and it makes you go, it's abs- absurd that we don't have a higher priority on it. Should be top priority. Mental health should be top priority because everything else isn't going to work as good. Nothing's going to be as good. Like your relationships aren't as fruitful. Your, your work-life balance isn't going to be as good. If you're not seeing through the clearest lens possible because mm. that's where your brain functions, Everything, and no matter what you do, no matter how many countries you see, no matter what job you land, what house you buy, it's never going to be enough because you're not going to be happy with yourself. Mm. And that's so important. You've got to start from within, I think. And mm-hmm. something I learned very late in my life, mm. um, I wish I'd learned what I know now. 15 years ago, I wish I learned it growing up through high school. And that's mm. what we try and teach people with what we do. Mm. I love what you do, man. It's so cool. And, and so if you had to give us the pillars of living and what it's about, could you, could you share that with people now? Sure. Everything. Um, and again, thanks for having me on here. Appreciate yeah, it. Pleasure. Um, everything that we do is breaking the stigma of mental health. Um, there's some wonderful help-seeking professional service providers out there in the mental health space. And I always respect what they're doing because it makes advocates' jobs like myself easier. Um, we do mainly education programs in schools across the country as a social impact. So really short, sharp, basic awareness, stigma reduction programs awesome. that make mental health okay. Give people a different taste of what it should be like moving forward rather than prior perceptions of it's negative, it's weak to talk. Mm. We go in, try and inspire, motivate people to speak up, seek help and get back on track and set those expectations. Everyone's different. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, on top of that, I think to get the conversation started, we created a, a apparel line or a fashion line, um, streetwear line, whatever you want to call it, mm. to basically have clothes, snapbacks, just things that young people wear that are relatable, that are cool, that you probably buy anywhere else, but you buy it with a message of living and it ain't weak to speak for, for a social good. 
So you're not only looking good in a singlet or a, or a top or a shirt or a pair of you know gym shorts, you're actually doing good as well. Mm-hmm. You're spreading awareness and creating the conversation. It's so powerful, man. It's so good. You're really bleeding out into the Australian culture. And particularly the next generation. I think that's the, that's the target point, That right? is the target. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done and people are still taking their life at the very extreme ends while I'm sitting here with you on this podcast, Jez, and it still happens. And, you know, I feel in my life, I, I, enough's never enough. So we just got to keep doing the work that we do. And I remember when we first started um, after Dwayne took his life and we said, we'll start living and if we can save one life, this is going to be a success. But the mission is far greater than that now. I don't want to just save one life. I want to save as many as we possibly can. You know, like if we're going to do this, let's do it properly. It's not just the walk around the park and fill in a nine to five job. This is everything. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to do it, let's do it right. All or nothing. <laughs> you know, that's the mantra. Toto or nada. <laughs> I love it. Love it. And it must fill you with such tremendous sense of purpose because you're, you're doing, giving something back you're being of service to people in in such a clear powerful way man and in an area that's really close to my heart and i'm fucking back you with because it's like go get them like it's just i love that it's not one size fits all and it's yeah speak speak, up it ain't weak to speak yeah i think it's a it's just they're just great first starts to really because it's all about the first most easiest step really it is speak and and just accept or have patience that you you're going to find out what and I, and I want to touch on something and from my own experience and you, you'd probably be able to back 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 and support me on this it's very easy for you and i to sit here and say speaking up and seeking help is one of the best things you can possibly do and there's so many great awareness organizations i, th- I feel in australia in particular the awareness is really really improved since where it was 10 years ago i think it's been great Mm. but i feel it's really hard to ask for help okay so let's say i'm at a stage right now where i'm listening Mm. to sam and jez on the podcast and they've inspired me to speak up and reach out and ask for help how does that help look what does that help look like what am i actually asking for it's not really clear yeah good this is the struggle people have i find that and mate people still wear our clothes People still come to our awareness sessions and people still wear living stuff loud and proud and advocate it on social media, but they'll still not tell anyone how they're feeling. And my point behind that is, is because it is the hardest step to take. I don't know what I'm actually asking for. No one really knows. <laughs> and how do I start that conversation with someone that, at the other end of the table that has, may never have heard about mental illness? They might not be educated. Mm. you know so it's, it's actually the I, f- I feel speaking up and seeking help is the hardest out of everything because there's so many unknowns you don't really know what you're asking for and until you're clear on that mm. that's a really true point it's just going to be a wish wash muddled process it, we, uh, from, my, from my experience of when it, when I do just start speaking I don't know what I'm going to say like I just start talking and you kind of figuring it out as you go. But what I do know is as I'm talking, it, A, it never sounds good. <laughs> it sounds terrible and it sounds like a complete wash of, of confusion. But, but as I'm unraveling it, particularly if someone to be a mirror, you start getting insight into what's going on in my mind. So as I just begin talking, I think that's the thing that I learned is the key, most key element about 
talk and speaking up in those moments when it's really don't want to really hard and you just have no sometimes you just don't even feel any inspiration to whatsoever like you just oh, don't I just don't really care about getting better like it took me about two years or about a year and a half of being chronically depressed before I even identified that I was depressed like that's a long time to not even realize that I needed to make a choice to fix anything <laughs> you know fix it what was the catalyst for you to be able to turn it all around and sort of accept it within yourself and um it was a point of um everything seemed to be apparently going superb in my life and but my body was shutting down my my lung collapsed and i had a gallstone and chronic tonsillitis for you like and then my lung collapsed again then i had a tonsillectomy and like all within a period of like nine months my body just went um you you you're giving up i'm giving up <laughs> you know kind of and and then that's when i just it was a it was a it was a, a series of a few friends that questioned do you think you're depressed that made me go maybe i am and then at the moment i go i think i'm depressed oh weight off my shoulder because i just i i had a i had a pro i don't want to, like to call it a problem but it was a problem i had a problem that i now know what is there and now oh, that means there must be a solution um and I'm, no, I'm not the first one to experience this. So then it was just a series of re- revelations. And for me, eating super well, um, exercising a little bit wasn't a big one for me. But, and meditating was crucial. It was like a non-negotiable every morning because it changed my relationship to my thinking. It allowed me to get perspective and witness my thinking instead of being immersed in my thinking. And that's where all my suffering was, mm. being absolutely immersed in my thoughts, convinced that they were real. <laughs> and the moment I took a perspective back and looked at them, it gave me just total liberation from them and made me go, what the fuck am I then if I'm the witness of them, if I'm not the thought? Like, because a feeling just used to come to my brain and they still do. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't ask you to come into my head. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you just went, yeah. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't ask you something yeah. else. And I'm a bit like, excuse me? Yeah. Like, what, what's your, like, you're not, it's almost like it's a third party. Mm. My brain is somewhat of a third party. It's a tool that my soul or my conscious is, has at its whim but because there's such neurosis in it and conditioning in it it's a lot of cleaning to get <laughs> to fucking get this machine working better this muscle working better <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely mate it's 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 fascinating to hear your side of um you know a little snapshot in your experience and sort of what worked and what really didn't work you said exercise wasn't a big one for you but meditation was a game changer and i think it's important to to really respect what works and what doesn't work for, for each and every person, I think, because mm. everyone's different and mm. there's no one size fits all. So true. And it's hard. And for anyone that's speaking up and seeking help that feels like maybe they spoke to someone in their family and it comes across like their family doesn't care. It's not that they don't care. It's just so many people in this area aren't educated. So mm. they're, they're actually naturally, we're born ignorant. We're born with no mental health literacy. Yes. And we don't get it during school, right? So how are we going to learn this if people like living don't exist or mental health organizations or conversations don't start? Mm. People will just be a very blind eye to it for the entire life. Completely so, primitive. Yeah. Yes. It's not that people don't care. It's just that they just don't understand it. And it's very hard to understand this. Okay. But hand on heart, many, many times I've seen with the right, you know, with the right understanding and the right knowledge and and the right help, people get back on track and they can, they will live a normal life. Um, like you'd understand, you manage it, you live with it and you know, and you actually become stronger, I feel, in a way. Because totally. you can, it's like when you broke your leg, for, when you break a leg, for example, you, you, you go get fixed and, and 
oftentimes that break heals stronger. It's the same thing with your mental health, I feel. Mm. When you do work on it, you go to the gym, you go to the mind gym, you mm. go speak to someone, you go do cognitive behavior therapy sessions or you push yourself to extremes doing challenges that out of your comfort zone, you do your meditation, you rewire your thinking, you actually become so much better in life. You actually become so much stronger. You can you can deal with shit mm. a lot better than what you probably would have ever dealt with them in the past. 100%. And I think that's that's incredible. That, that, that fascinates me in this whole mm. thing. That fascinates me. Like you can actually rewire your brain to a point where you can actually give it like a six pack and deltoids yeah, or whatever you want yeah, to call yeah. it. You're upgrading it. You learn it. Like there's no score, like there's no limit on it. You can just, it, it's amazing how it works. And that's what fascinates me mostly about it. Like the actual yeah, brain itself, how wow. you can actually really change it, the, change the way it thinks. It's cool. It's I like that. It's incredible, dude. Yeah. Most it, powerful place in the world, your brain. It's incredible because it's, it's, we see we don't we don't fucking see it like it's hidden we see the arms and you can see the maximum that your arm could go like and it's a, it's a big one <laughs> and I'm definitely not at my peak <laughs> I need to get to the gym I need to get to the mind gym and the gym <laughs> and the body gym yeah. but your brain is like you said a muscle that we can't perceive its growth like i can't look at you and go oh man your brain is fucking pimped you know like it's, it's badass <laughs> yeah. big strong we can't see it yeah, it's, it's in a fucking skull <laughs> so, yeah. so it's this weird thing of that that's and that's a big contributor to why there's not awareness about it you can't see it, it i can't see. walk into a school and go hey look i've got a i've got depression here's a brain that looks like it's perfect and here's one that looks like it's got depression. Yeah. You can't do that. Whereas I walk in with a cast on my arm, people ride on it. They yeah, get happy yeah, about it. Yeah. You know, you break your arm, how do you do it? I smack someone in the face. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really matter, but I mean. It's fascinating, it man. Is. It is so fascinating. And like you said, like how far can you expand it? Because for me, it's an expansion of consciousness or like if your mind is conscious, it's an expansion of that. So it's greater in your awareness more learning, more expansion. My, my skull's about to break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other weird thing. It can't, it can't, like, does it even physical matter? Does the matter of it grow or does the, is it the matter just change? Cause it like, just changes. The why isn't it change? It's weird. Neurons get fired in different reasons. Like, yeah, it's bloody incredible. It's fascinating. It's so weird. It's got all these chemicals and electricity flying through it. And it's, it's like a computer. It's a biological computer mm. and we're, it's determining our experience. That's why psychedelics, I mentioned briefly before the podcast, are so fascinating to me because they give you altered states. It's like I spoke to, I was at Burning Man recently and I spoke Ooh. to this um, neuroscientist and he says, if you, the best way to tell someone about DMT, dimethyltryptamine, which is apparently what your pineal gland releases, which is the spiritual hub of your mind, apparently. Um, it, it, all it is doing when a DMT release comes in your mind is unlocking more brain capability. It's just a key that unlocks more capability in your brain. So if you see it like that, and and when you have the pretty experience, cool. yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you and you feel like you've got an upgrade. Your your uh, your intelligence, your artificial, you know, real biological intelligence has got an upgrade because it expands. If we're talking about that expansion, it expands, and then you come back to reality and it contracts, and then you kind of integrate that learning, and then you kind of come out and then you have another one and it expands and then you kind of integrate that one and it's the same thing with i think with trauma and suffering as well they um i think i feel like it it it's somewhat of a contraction before the expansion definitely like because it because it feels uh but then recluses but then so yeah but that that the recluse when it goes and and it comes in contracts so to speak and then it expands not everyone 
allows it to, to expand, mm. you know, because they bury their emotions. They live with the trauma. Yes. But pain and vulnerability is actually a strength, and that's when it expands. Amazing. You can use it to your power. Mm. You know? Dude, this is sick. Yeah. This gave me goosebumps. So many people just... It's not that they mean to. They just... They don't want to release it. They don't want to deal with the pain. They don't want to deal with the shit. Like, when we're not programmed normally to deal with the shit. We, we want to take in all the good stuff, right? Mm. But I feel when you unpack the negatives and you unpack the trauma and you unpack the, the pain and the frustration and the things that make you uncomfortable, you, you expand as a person. You actually become more open-minded. You, you try things that you probably would never try before and you, you become more confident. That's sick way to look at it because mm. I think that also helps just to give anyone in that process of like before they're unpacking or or, or the purpose. Let's let's say the, the purpose of you unpacking this trauma or exploring this negative, speaking up. The very purpose of that is for you to expand. You're guaranteed to expand. Mm. I, I feel like that's fair to say. Yeah, I think so <laughs> you are, too. You're guaranteed to upgrade because you're processing this stuff in order to have a more expanded state of awareness. And if you don't process them, you do like you feel contracted. You feel small and you feel um, stuck. But part of the expansion, part of the upgrade, um, and when I say upgrade, I mean I love Expansion, that. Upgrade, yeah, yeah. I love that word upgrade. Yeah. Because you can, man. You can upgrade your brain. You can upgrade everything. Mm. And why do you think, you know, reading and writing and, and people have troubles explaining how they feel and that's cool. Write it down maybe. Maybe that helps you. Mm. Give that note to someone that you trust and maybe that's a good conversation starter to help unpack it. Mm. And the people that are the ones on the other end or receiving the, the open conversation from someone struggling – you don't have to have the answers to everything. You're not. This is a space where you're not meant to have the answers to everything. Yeah, it's not a. It's not a problem solving this. So cool. take off the problem solving hat for the first time in your life and put it aside. Because for mental illness, it's not problem solving. It's listening. Two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak, and often <laughs> often time the person that is speaking to you will often tell you what they want if you listen. Mm. You know, you got to listen because. One thing I probably didn't do too well, the night of September 15 of 2013 when my friend took his life, he opened up to me that night and I thought I listened as best as I could have and I don't think I did. I really don't think I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't say everything I could have said or maybe I didn't listen as best as I could have. But that's that's in the past now, but that's what I look back at and think, all right, I'm going to be, my goal is to be a really, really good listener. You know, mm-hmm. that's the goal. Listening is everything, isn't it? It is. It really. It actually really is. Like, you, if you can't listen, like you don't listen to someone, like it's you're never going to know what people want. Like you got to listen to people and listen non-judgmentally. Like, and everyone's struggles different. Like your struggles different to my struggle, and my struggles different to your struggle. And you can't ever compare that, you know, because we're all wired by our past experiences. And you just really got to listen with mm-hmm. the intent of not to speak, but just truly just listening. Right. So it's like listening to hear. Yeah. And with, I really think that's a perfect analogy, like with no judgment, no opinion, no, I'm not going to give you a solution. Yeah. I, I really think that's a really powerful reframe that you gave before of like, this isn't a solution conversation. You know, this is, how did you phrase that? I, I think you're not, you take your problem solving hat off. You're not trying to problem solve here. It's not a, it's not a problem solving situation. It's a listening conversation. And the more you listen, the better, the better they will feel and the better you'll be able to react Mm. I feel 
because oftentimes we sit there in autopilot and try and fire off all these answers and advice, 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 but we don't even know what we're saying. Because we're, sc- <laughs> but we're scared. We're scared of listening because we don't want to say the wrong thing. If that makes sense, yeah, hundred percent. So, like, you've got to actually just shut up and fucking stop talking for a bit and listen. Because <laughs> you, you don't have to say anything, and you can help someone. It's so true. Honestly, it's absurd that we're like, oh yeah, you like just chuck out. It's, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a. I even do it. Like, I, I even, I definitely do it. Like when I'm caught doing it, when someone's like giving me a problem, and I'm not. In my in my strong brain frame set, <laughs> I would just go, well, "What about this?" Or like, give them give them solutions. You don't. It, it takes a conscious reminder to reprogram my damage to go. I'm just need to be here to hear this person mm. and just look them in the eyes and listen without saying anything back. Sometimes, <laughs> like you're a good listener. I can tell you're a really good listener right now. You just you, you got eye contact and you just like you're absorbing and you can tell when someone's present and listening, can't you? Yeah, and you can tell yeah, absolutely, and, can. and you can tell when they're not. Yeah. Yeah, and some some people are in half conversations and half not there, and and it probably brings me back to this, the good old question that we hear daily: is how are you? Yeah, that's autopiloted from everyone these days. I <laughs> yeah. do it too. Yeah, how are you? So anyway, what's going on today? Like you're not really asking yeah. how are they meaningfully. You know, yeah. you, you you really want to get to the root of the conversation. I think if we stop and and fucking listen for a bit, and we actually ask, look, how are you? before we ask them can you do something for me or what are you doing today how are you and get the answer but then maybe ask again like how are you actually maybe ask that to someone that you think struggling it gives them the opportunity to well hang on he's asked me twice no one's ever asked me twice (laughs) and he hasn't asked me about my day he's just asking how am i he obviously is interested to know and it gives someone permission to maybe open up Mm. It, it does. It does. Yeah. I, in my experience, it, you, they, you, they definitely soften, or it, it's that softness of which you do it because you're genuinely wanting to have a good shared experience with someone mm. as well. You're genuinely caring, right? Mm. It's not just. I, I think is it that's what makes life rich is these shared experiences we have with one another, our relationship with one another. That's the beauty in life, isn't it? Like connecting. Got to stay socially connected. Mm. Um, I saw a little analogy. It was funny. I don't play the game Sims, but I saw somewhere, I read a a report or something somewhere and it said human beings actually have to stay connected to survive. So on the game, the Sims is like a Sims bar and your life diminishes and you actually, your life dies, so to speak, when you're not connecting with people. And that's so true in life. Like if you're isolated, mankind can't, cope by themselves they have to be socially connected and i'm not talking socially connected on instagram or facebook i'm talking face to face you actually have to be connected you know now there's more and more people are more alone now than ever because of that of this whole tech movement you know which is look i think there's a lot of good that's come out of it and there's also a lot of bad but you just got to navigate your way through that correctly, I think. Yes, and upgrade our relationship to it. Yeah. Like we initially get a relationship to it that becomes addictive or whatnot, but then we've got to upgrade our relationship to it where it's like consciously, Yeah, I've spent enough time on that now, let's go look at some people. Yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker on it too, but yeah. I think, yeah, you just got to be patient, stay socially connected, even when it's struggle, like you said earlier. You know, it was a hard you know, struggle to get out of bed, for example, and the last thing you want to do is go to a party or go and say hello to someone or have mm. a coffee. But mm. you find when you actually push yourself to do it, you're thankful. You're like, mm. I'm so glad I did that. Mm. It makes you feel better. Mm. It's part of being socially connected. 
so important. I can't, I can't underestimate that. And like, I can't, I, I can't express that enough. I can't stress that. Sorry, is the right word I'm looking mm. for here. I can't mm. stress that enough. Mm. Social connection, um, it, yeah. eating healthy. It heals you definitely. Yeah, Social connection is a big healer. Yeah. You just be with someone and they're, they're, if they're present, it just it healed the fuck out of me. That's for sure. Mm. Just having someone that's present sitting down. But another, another area of the darkness, just to go back to that for a moment, like when, you know, at the pits of my depression, I, where I was looking at taking my life, and flirting with it and exploring it and because it seemed like the only solution like i was looking inward and it was the only solution to end this suffering was to just turn off turn off the computer but then the only thing that flipped me one or there's a few micro things that flipped me which are big enough to pivot was was this just an idea of like my life used to be good and what if I could get my life back to where it was in a good place? Like that could be possible. And w- and just a basic logical thought of it would be a waste of this body experience of life that for all I know is only one time if I don't give that a shot. And and that was kind of the only pivot of me just going, right, I think this might be worth worth trying to live. And I think I think I talk about that pivot because I think that's a really crucial thing to everyone's journey as well. That a relatable point of of how how we pull ourselves out of depression, how we choose to change our direction, and and that's why I think the social thing that you're saying is so important because it allows your eyes to be outward looking because you get really stuck inward looking mm. um, when you're depressed. Very true. Very very good words. Mm. And you start ruminating on everything that's going wrong. Mm. And not looking at the things that are possibly right, and that's because of all the changing chemicals, it's changing behavior and everything. And, you, and sometimes it's hard to see the small wins because you're you're so focused on this negative stuff that's been happening that you feel is happening that you can't really escape that. And it spirals, it exacerbates the problem, and it makes things worse. And yeah, it's it's important to know that you know suicide, and it's very important to note this. Obviously, suicide is not an option. Um, it's a, it's a it's never fixes anything you know it just makes coming back impossible like, mm. you know what i mean mm. like i got explained to it once by someone in the states it's like if you think of 9-11 um the twin towers think of the people on the 90th hundredth floor when that thing was burning in a room full of smoke full of heat in excruciating pain scared in an extreme panic not thinking of anything else but just to end that pain, they needed to jump out of the window. But they didn't know that jumping out of the window was essentially going to take their life and never never for them to breathe again. But what they were just trying to do is make a really impulsive choice to just end that pain because it was like a quick decision. It's a really good way I've, I've, seen, I've, I've heard that puts it, and that, that's from my understanding of it as well, mm-hmm. from my own experiences. But everyone's different, I mean, yeah. It's a really interesting analogy that nine eleven. I never really drew that as a parallel to suicide, but obviously it's clearly that it's a it's like a condensed, short version of depression yeah. leading to suicide, suffering, pain, inescapable. The only escape is out the window. Yeah, and some people definitely don't have they they don't have the the skill set. They don't have the the support networks to be able to stop like you did. And reflect on those times many years ago that might have been amazing, mm. 
and look outside and think, all right, I've got a chance to change this, mm. to actually change it. Some people don't have that skill. Mm. They don't, they don't, they weren't born with, they just don't have it. So they don't see that. They don't get an opportunity to even look at that option. It just has never come into play. And that's a scary thing because imagine if everyone did have that same feeling that you and I had, because I was very similar to you. Mm. You know, I looked back and thinking, you know, I've had some great times. I don't think this is permanent, this feeling of being down. Mm. Surely you can get out of this. Mm. So you just got to work hard to get out of it. But imagine if everyone had that mm. power, but not mm. everyone does. Mm. Or, or, or for, it's some fortune, it's some tools, it's some, mm. uh, it's, it's a variable of things, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Life skills, being at who you grew up with, the experience that you were thrown into maybe as a young person. Mm. I don't know. Mm. But not everyone has that. But the, another, interesting, another interesting thing is that I, even though I had a, a girlfriend that loved me to bits and that stool would never help. It wouldn't help me. It wouldn't help me pivot. So there, there are some things that even if you're loved by your friends and family, it still doesn't help. Sometimes it makes it worse. Because mm. it makes you feel guilty. Yeah. Mm. You feel like you're doing them a favor. Feel more alone. Mm. And when you've got the people that are supposed to love you and you love them around you and you feel more alone, that's the worst feeling in the world. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it? It's the worst feeling ever. You would never, I'd would never wish it on anybody. Um, it's just a fuck. The brain is the most powerful thing. If you could just take your brain, if you could actually have a switch on the back of it during those times and just switch it off and not think about that stuff, suicide wouldn't be happening. Yes. It yes. would not be happening. Yes. Needs to be like a safety switch. Imagine that. I mean, that, that's that's amazing. But that's exactly what meditation is for me. Yeah. It's the switch because my head always just drops. I just transcend thinking, and it's just like literally turning my brain off now because I've trained my brain to turn off. Yeah. When I sit down for twenty minutes twice a day, I'm turning off my brain, yeah, and it's just good. like this. And it's not like sleep. It's way deeper. Giving it a rest. <laughs> giving it a bit of time out, mate. Enough way to do it. It's just headbutt a wall and then just drop. Yeah, but it's, it's good. And, and I think the people that are listening, if anyone is suicidal or has thought about taking their own life, I think it's really, it's important to know. I know that you can reflect on good times and shit times and you might be in a good place now, but in maybe six weeks time, you might be suicidal, for example. D- don't make any impulsive decisions that are going to change the course of your life. Because those emotional decisions that you make, they're never right, honestly. They're, they are never right in that situation. They're never right. 100%. And they're wrong. Their voices in their head are wrong. People care about you. People love you. People want you to be here. Hmm. You just got to weather that storm and you got to get through it hmm. and just do your best to switch off hmm. and make the decisions when you're more rationalized. Yes. When you're using your left part of your brain, not your right part. Right part's emotional, left part's your thinking. Yeah. They clash. The emotional hijacks the thinking brain. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. It's not smart. It's not good. Mm-hmm. That's when shit goes bad. So true. I've, <laughs> it's a great lesson to learn that, just that simple mechanic in any choice making. Mm. Don't ever make decisions on emotions. Because it's... I don't say ever. Don't ever take... I don't want to take that back because ever is... A very powerful word, and I yeah. don't like ever. But yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, though. Refrain from utilizing the emotional part of your yeah. brain, yeah. especially in these situations. Yeah. It's kind of, for me, it's kind of coming down to this quiet voice in my gut. That's where I, I depend on my gut or my heart for, actually my gut, should I say, because the heart can be a bit emotional too, in my experience. But because the, the brain 
it, it gets confusing. It gives you the options. It gives you the and 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 it's something about a gut. There's this quiet voice. If you can get learn to get more in touch with your intuition, that's just always, in my experience, a very calm, all knowing, peaceful, wise tone. <laughs> that's in just like that's yeah. It's yeah. It's just like just do this. Mm. And it's just like, and so, and your brain often is like, but that would be dangerous or that would be, um, that would cause this thing or this thing, but you just have to trust it, mm. I think, and, um, and build your strength of your relationship with your intuition and, and let your, you know, I think use your brain as a tool then, right? I can do that well by doing this or just, yeah, mate, yeah. very, very true. Mm. And they say the second brain is in your stomach, mm. sends signals, you know, so mm. I couldn't agree with you more. Crazy how that happens. It is. But how, it's amazing how when people go, yeah, I made, I'm, I had a gut feeling, so I took that um, job offer, or I had a gut feeling, and I, mm. I did this, and it's amazing all the success stories that come out of that area. It's so Close weird. My mind. It is How weird because it's like it's it's all biome taking in stuff and then feeding it to your brain and giving. I don't know how it works. It's bloody weird, <laughs> weird at best, but it's true. It's, Often, like most times, your body will tell you signals, and I, I, I tell everyone to listen to your body. Listen to your body. Listen to the way it treats you. If, if it's shutting down, if it's aching, if it's sore, go and seek help. There's a reason. You, exactly. Your brain is the best indicator, or your body yourself is the best indicator something is not right. And if it's something doesn't feel right in your brain, and you feel like you're short, snappy, and you're withdrawn, and you're eating too much, eating too little, all those warning signs that come with maybe a mental health challenge, go and see someone. Same thing if you feel a lump in your leg and your lymph node and you feel, fuck, what's this? It doesn't feel right. You go and, you go and get a radiographer to look over it. You know, if my throat's a bit sore, I can't swallow, it's closing up. Maybe you've got tonsillitis. Go and see someone, get what you need to get and get back on track. Mm. Start living again. Mm. <laughs> what a message, man. Thanks so much for your time nah. and sharing's fucking gold really is gold and it just really resonates with me and i feel like it's what australia and the world really needs is these clear simple steps to change our relationship to what mental health is yeah and thanks so much for having me man i appreciate um being on the show and taking the time out to to get me on here i appreciate it pleasure thank you